the Dothraki are coming. Game of Thrones. Oh my god. There's dragons. You gotta watch it. You see them. There's this Earth. fight scene. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Seriously, you gotta see it. What's his name? It's like a chicken. It's like Mr. Kari's name. He lost his hair. Hair. Fucking red wedding. I cannot give you back your homes or restore your dead to life, but perhaps I can give you justice in the name of our Dracarys. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Instant Coffee. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing episode four, The Spoils of War. Written by Benioff and Weiss, directed by Matt Shakeman. And I know we discussed Shakeman in our previous podcast, The Prep for Season 7, but he's known for It's Always Sunny, Fargo, New Girl, Mad Men, and House. This is his first run at Game of Thrones. And now he will be known for Game of Thrones. I really wish sometimes that we recorded while we watched the show because <laughs> I was freaking out. I was yelling. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I've never been like that for any movie or show. I agree, but you're talking about primarily the last scenes because it was a pretty quiet episode leading up to... The Dothrakening? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose. And before we get into talking about it, we should mention that this episode was leaked ahead of time. It was leaked through a Google Drive link that spread through Reddit, and there was an announcement that HBO was hacked and thousands of their files were stolen, 1.5 terabytes of data to be specific, and that's not including internal files such as personal information about their employers. Jeez. But there was also speculation that the leaked episode may have originated from the HBO distribution partner, Star India, and not the HBO hack, to which Star India said they are investigating this. And the hackers also sent a message that the group would release the leak gradually every week. I don't understand. What, what's the point of this? It's not like they're going to get famous off of this because I'm guessing the hackers don't want anyone to know who they really are. And it's HBO. It's not like it's some company that's destroying America or something, you know? Maybe they're GOT haters. They're still very upset about the Red Wedding, Jason. They just can't <laughs> get over it. I don't know. I think it's bullshit. So many people work so hard for Game of Thrones. I know that Ballers was also released, a bunch of episodes of Ballers. And this is our Sunday fun day. This is what we look forward to. Why, why do that? Why bother? The thing is, too, then you put the temptation out there, right? Because I'm sure there was plenty of people that watched this ahead of time. And it yeah. becomes really hard for podcasters you're trying to do research for the episode, but you don't want to stumble upon spoilers that people have put out there from the leaked episodes. Yeah, and I know our Clatchers, we have the best fans. But I, even with that, I was worried when we were getting new messages on Twitter. I was like, oh, please don't be something about this episode that ruins it for us. Yeah, and is it snuck into a theory somehow that we won't realize until it's too late? So I was worried to even look at our inbox prior to Sunday. But anyhow, let's talk about the spoils of war. What were your overall thoughts on this episode? I thought it was horrible. <laughs> no, I, this was amazing. Again, I was freaking out. 
I think we had to rewind because she Christina couldn't hear anything because I was too busy yelling. <laughs> the dragon's coming! Oh my god! Well, anytime Danny's riding in on Drogon, you are thrilled. Yeah, and I was waiting for her to say it, and she did. She says Dracarys, and I'm like, wait a minute. Waiting for that sound. Whatever they do, it's like... Bling. Yeah, and she oh, said it a few sick. times. Sick, yes. Over the course of but this battle. But that first initial one, oh my god, my I was... I felt like I was playing sports. I was so hyped. I was freaking our bird out. The visuals were really good. They managed to play on your emotional heartstrings because you're cheering for her to succeed. But at the same time, they're giving you the realities of how horrible this war is. Even to Lannister soldiers, you see Tyrion watching yeah. on and looking heartbroken that this has to happen to his family, You know, despite everything they've done. Yeah, he did look heartbroken. And for the first time, I felt his love for the family for the first time in a long time and his love for Jamie. Mainly for for Jamie. Yeah. When he's watching her saying you dumb fool. Yeah. Don't do it. There was a moment when Jamie was looking around and then he looks over and he has a look on his face. I was like, Oh my God, does he see his brother? I know. But no, he was looking at his fellow soldiers. There were even points where I didn't know who to root for. I felt so conflicted internally. I mean, obviously, you're meant to root for Danny, but this is exactly what they were warning her against the whole time, right? What it's going to mean to be a conqueror. This yeah. is your view now. This is how the people will see you. But I have to say, I think that's brilliant writing, the way they made you to go through all of those emotions. Yeah. I would save this for when we talk about this scene, but I'll forget. This is my argument towards that. I am all about what she just did. She took back what was hers, and she did it without killing anybody who is innocent. There's no houses there with people living. There's no kids. There's no one that's not even part of the war. They're just trying to live. It was just the army. I agree. I think there's maybe an argument to be made there that a lot of these Lannister soldiers perhaps didn't really want to be fighting this war. I mean, were there kids like the soldiers we saw who met Arya in the woods? But yes, they all knew what they were signing up for on some level. It is a battle. You know that's going to happen. I think two things. We wish she wouldn't have had to done it, period. But there was no choice. Well, even if she didn't do it with the dragons, she would have had to do it with swords. Right. Or laying siege to the city, which they made that sound like, oh, it's the better, nicer option. But you would have had hundreds of people starving slowly. I guess the goal was to come in before they died, but it's not like it would have been pleasant. But the other thing is, if this is the route we're going, it does seem like she a little bit discussed it with her team before she left. Because Tyrion was with her, John knew she was leaving, they had to strategize about this a little bit. I kind of wish they would have thought ahead of time and strategized a little more about it. Two other dragons would have really helped in that situation where she kept finding herself with near misses. That's the thing you kept yelling, and we'll get further into that later. But the, the fact about the three dragons, so don't forget that. Yeah. But my argument to that, Chris, is that whenever they take time to quote unquote plan, yeah, something happens. And it we doesn't actually work. Yeah. And we actually have a Clatcher's comment about that from Oren saying, Danny is being betrayed for the third time. And in parentheses he wrote, Lannister spy? Who do you think it is? What do you think it's for? For gold? For love? And then he wrote Missandei? So this is something that's going around on the internets, that there is a spy. How are they always knowing what she's going to do? And I had said, because they know her brother. But the more I think about it, it's probably deeper than that. 
So do you think there is a spy? Yeah, I've heard this theory a lot that it could be Varys and that he's still in league with the Lannisters. He never really switched sides. And anytime it takes her too long in the strategizing phase, the problem is he's able to get word out to them and they know what she's going to do. I don't really see any evidence of that yet. Everything we've seen, we know about Varys, leads me to believe he never really wanted the Lannisters to rule. I don't see how it benefits him. Plus, they're a sinking ship now. I mean, they've had a couple of wins, but Danny is is obviously the better horse to back in this race. Yes. I watched this video on YouTube, and they hearkened back to two seasons ago, I believe, when Joffrey was killed, and everyone thought it was Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Varys put Tyrion on the ship and was walking back, and then the horn started going. And you remember, he turned right around and went onto the ship. Yep. And what they're saying is, he never wanted to go. That was never in his plans. So maybe he's not backing Daenerys, and this isn't what his passion is. Yeah, but you know what I, I... Do you see what I mean in that fighting for Cersei for a cause doesn't make any sense because she's gone off the deep end. She doesn't have a cause he can support. No. And fighting for her because she seems like she will be the victor doesn't make sense because that's not how it seems right now. So I'm just, I don't think Varys does anything without a very strong underlying motivation. And mm. I don't see what the motivation would be to be in league with the Lannisters. However, there is something I've been thinking about for a long time, and it's a totally off-the-wall theory. There isn't a lot to support this in the show right now either, but I, I feel like I have to put it out there just because it's relevant to what you're talking about. I have wondered if Varys and Littlefinger have been in cahoots this entire time. And I'm talking about since season one. Now, I know that might seem crazy because for all the information we've been given, they're on two totally different sides of the spectrum. Littlefinger is only for himself and for promoting chaos. If he can bring enough shit down, he can rule over the ashes, I suppose. Although, in reality, we don't know a lot about Littlefinger's plans other than the phase one, which was to institute chaos and then go to phase two once he had destabilized the existing structures, monarchy, ruling. And likewise, for Varys, it seemed he was different because he wanted for the small people for the realm. But we don't know a lot about his plans for the ideal ruler beyond that, except for they would be different than all of the stuff we've had beforehand. Both of those viewpoints entail destabilization. They would have to first see the existing structure completely broken to break the wheel, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's what Varys liked about Danny and her speech, the plans she had for Westeros. So I'm thinking that if we knew a little more about how they see the far-reaching future, perhaps their opinions aren't all that different. And it's just bizarre that you have these two characters who don't seem to fit anywhere else. They don't serve a bigger purpose right now, and yet they are remaining into season seven. If they're still here, I think that means there's a bigger point to them in the endgame. And you also have the fact that right now they're each with the two big seats of power. They were together in King's Landing when the tide started to turn and the Lannisters started to go down. Littlefinger went to the north and Varys went to the east. What if that was part of a plan? I mean, I love that theory. I think it's fun. But then Varys loves to be in the background, mm -hmm. following someone else, being their right-hand man or whatever. Yep. The whispering man, I guess you would say, right? 
with his whispering children. <laughs> Littlefinger like wants to be the ruler. So you're saying that Varys is down with Littlefinger being the king? No, I don't think he would have been okay with that. And maybe that's where the friction was coming in early on, if they had these discussions. But if they came to, well, we really need somebody who is a strong ruler, and you could be her husband mm. and rule alongside her oh, if we find that right person. Or perhaps there wasn't even going to be a ruling system the way we think of it now. Maybe they had other ideas of how this was going to go, of mm. something a little more democratic, a rulership, but where Littlefinger can still be a part of that and have the dreams he desired for as a child, which was to never find himself back in that position where he was a no one. That would still work. Okay, I dig it. Very interesting. I think, I mean, I, I don't know if I subscribe to that theory. <laughs> I don't know if I subscribe <laughs> to it either, Jason. But also the theory that it would be Varys, who's the bad guy. I'm thinking that Game of Thrones made Danny do that whole speech to make us think that it could be Varys. And I think it's someone we're not even thinking about. I agree, and in that theory that I'm spinning, he wouldn't necessarily be 100% turning on her. If they're trying to feel out who the best ruler is going to be, he kind of told her that in their last conversation. I'm choosing you. I think you're the best, but you need to keep proving that or I'm out of here. If there is a spy in their camp reporting back to the Lannisters, I certainly don't think it's him. I definitely don't think it's Masandi. There's no evidence she owes everything to her, and she said in this episode she chooses her as their ruler, as do most of these other people who genuinely want to fight for her. It's not like they're being ruled by force. Right. She was the narrator for this episode to John, essentially giving him another reason to believe in Danny. We're free. If I wanted to leave, she would give me a ship and say good luck. And she has said those exact words to her before. I thought that was a nice callback to the last episode where Tyrion said, John, if you're unsure about her, go talk to her people. Just yeah. ask them what they think and you'll see they view her much the way your people view you. But we digress as usual. <laughs> so much to talk about. Let's go through the episode a little, at least the highlights. We're not going to do a full crow's eye. We'll save that for our longer episode later on this week. The locations we're going to talk about here, briefly, King's Landing, Winterfell, Dragonstone, and The Reach. That's really where all the action was happening, right? In those three places. Starting with King's Landing, I just have a quick note that we see Tycho is amazed the Lannisters are going to pay their full debt in one payment. Yeah, that's never happened. And Cersei remarks that Jaime is on his way back with the gold as they speak. Now, didn't you just know by the way that was given, something was going to happen to that gold? The payment wasn't going to happen. To be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking that way. Oh, no? It no. felt like such a setup to me. No, yeah. we have everything covered. It's cool. It will be here. And I, d I did not foresee this happening so quickly, where the, the tides of momentum to change that vastly. Oh, I didn't see it going down that way either, and I certainly didn't think Danny was going to come over with her dragons this quick. But I did think there was going to be a sabotage of the gold. This is when that army is most vulnerable, trying to move everything they just took their spoils of war across land, that's when somebody can come and take it from you. So I felt that was foreshadowing. I, I also thought it was a little odd. He keeps remarking that she's turning out to be more impressive than her father. And I know he's buttering her up, but are they trying to make some comparisons here? I, I, I def definitely don't agree with that. Well, what I found odd was 
he was the one that asked if they could be of assistance. He was almost like, how can we be of assistance of whatever you're going to do next? He seemed a little too eager to help. Well, then he kept saying, though, as soon as we get our gold, we'll do anything to help you as soon as we get our gold. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so she was explaining how she would use their support if he does give it to her to expand the army, expand the Navy. I guess she does have concrete plans. And most key, I thought she was going to use the Golden Company to return their belongings. What is she talking about with that? We know it's common for whoever's in a position of power to sometimes hire out these groups of sellswords. The way an individual can hire a sellsword Kind of like how Tyrion took Bronn into his service, you can hire a company. The most well-known one is the Golden Company. But after that, it's the Second Sons. And we'll get a little more into their history, what they're about in our next episode. But there's definitely another piece here. Other than the gold and the spoils, there's something else she wants brought back to her. Oh, yeah. Is she talking about Tyrion? Oh, I wonder. What else could it be? Maybe a dragon? That would be a big ask. Uh, they're definitely more sneaky, more about stealth. Have we seen the Golden Company in the TV show? I don't think so. There is a part about this with a side story that, again, I'll get into in our next episode because you're going into book stuff that still could be spoilers. I, on this podcast, I talk about all of the previous books, previous episodes of Game of Thrones, but... I don't include the book stuff that is stories we haven't seen on the TV show that right. could somehow be translated. Okay. Now, that's not foolproof. Sometimes I may give things away, but I'm going to save that for later on and give a spoiler warning. Well, we know Cersei's plans have to be deeper than what we've seen so far because, one, it's been taken away from her. Everything that she's gained in these last two episodes prior to this one. So there's got to be more to her plans. I mean... She's lost her army, or the bulk of it, I'm sure. And she's lost what they worked so hard to get finally get an ally. That's gone. And this must spell defeat for them, right? Some of their main forces were taken out here in this battle. They no longer have at least the majority of those spoils. That was a question I was going to ask you. Randall tells Jamie in that scene, the gold is on its way to King's Landing. We sent it out already. Then the battle starts to happen. Was the majority of it already gone? Could it still be safe and on its way to Cersei? Oh, you might be right. A lot of what we saw Drogon burning could have been their grain stores, that the food they were that talking about. That they were stealing about. from the farmers. Yeah. So if that's the case, she's not totally lost because she can pay the debt and use the Iron Bank to help build back right. her army. Oh, and let's not forget, she still has the Ironborn. Correct which have been probably her greatest ally so far. Yes, and while Danny just had a great victory, it is going to cost her some of those Dothraki, which is right now her main fighting force. She doesn't know where the Unsullied are. She doesn't have them. She doesn't have her ships. She's got the Dothraki and the dragons. So she has to be really careful with the way she uses this and how she moves forward against Cer Cersei. Yeah, Jamie's going to come back and be like, Ugh, they're all dead. <laughs> Only me and Bronn made it. Bronn saved my life. Oh, if they get out of the water. Right? We don't drowning. even know. That was an awesome ending. It was a really ambiguous... Jamie kind of looked like he was drowning. I think he was knocked out. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was dead by any means, but... I mean, he's, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't an ocean. 
I was going to say, what about the God we've been talking about? The Ironborn God. Yeah, I, I think he's fine if Danny just leaves that. Yeah. Oh, he's good. He got knocked into the water. I'm not going to investigate that any further. Bron saves him again. He's the man. Yeah. What I, what I was starting to say is he's going to come back. He's going to say all that. And then he's going to say, also, Lady Olena had one final thing to say to you. She killed your son. <laughs> yeah, and all that food we were going to use for the people to keep them liking you and not Danny, that all got burned up. Yeah. They're completely reliant. Oh, and your your weapon is burned up and, and done. Yeah. For the dragons. Now, I thought that was one of many. But they Probably. were kind of making it sound like get Kyburn's ballista as though it's the only one. Now, they could make more, but yeah. I don't know how long that takes them. I can't stop thinking about that final scene yeah let's go slower because we had other things to talk about first let's go to winterfell we start by seeing Littlefinger gives bran the valyrian dagger oh we totally were off on that in the trailer they made it look like Littlefinger was pulling it out to fight and then they showed that scene and he's just pulling it out to give it to bran yeah i thought Arya was gonna have to take it forcefully but it still winds up with the same result that Arya has it in the end yeah but i want a little finger dead that could still happen. True. That could still happen. This changes things because we'll get into it in a moment. Sansa thinks it was a trap Littlefinger was laying. But here, Bran lets Littlefinger know he can see things. He knows what he's up to. He says, chaos is a ladder, after all. <laughs> Which is something that he's said before. But not to Bran. No. Bran would have no way of knowing that otherwise. He's freaking all these people out yeah. by telling them... Some of their most important moments that there would be no way he could know. And Bran kind of, I guess, explains it to us better. One of our thoughts last episode was, how is Bran so different now? And Game of Thrones kind of answered that question. The real Bran died in the cave. We can see he remembers the Bran. He remembers the thoughts he used to have. But there's so much more in, his, in the way of that now. Yeah, and that's told by Mira, which I think is a good call. She's the one that knows him best, has been with him this whole time. So when she comes in to tell him she's leaving and she sees Bran's lack of emotional response to that, she says, you died in that cave. We kind of thought that too. And the complaint that we were making was more of we hadn't seen that struggle. We knew that it happened, that he was traumatized, but we sort of flashed from that all the way to where he is now. And so it feels like an abrupt transition to Three-Eyed Raven brand. It did at first, but now I'm, I'm warming up to it. It's not too bad. I just think they're, they're doing a little bit of a disservice. We, we see him for a couple of minutes. He says something weird, and then we move on. We're not really getting the brand arc, the brand storyline, which was a lot more prominent in the books, especially in season one. We opened up the story after seeing the others going directly to Bran. Mm. And I knew then, just as a form of storytelling, this means Bran is going to be pivotal to our end game later on. So if that's true, if he winds up being a big part of what fights this battle, how are you going to feel about that, given the arc they're presenting you with now? I think they're giving it to us slowly. When, mm. she, when he's talking to Arya, he's letting us know. He's showing us how much he has learned how much better he's gotten and a grasp of it he used to fear this power almost like every time he had a flashback it would come back to him like freaking out about it i think all those nerve cells have like burnt out and oh, yeah now he's 
his way of being able to deal with seeing so much at once is to shut off emotionally. He knows everything she's done. And I love the way he does it. I mean, it's creepy. It's, it's Socially, it's wrong. But <laughs> just saying, I saw you at the crossroads. I thought you were going to King's Landing. But no one seems to want to ask. This is what I would do. I'd be like, Bran, all right, so you see everything. How does this end? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that could be coming. And as you said, what, what I think they're doing right is having him now see the important pieces of information that we need related to our characters. So telling Littlefinger that was like saying, I know what you're about. Mm. Your whole motto in life is chaos is a ladder. I, I'm on to you and I'm watching you. Then when it comes to Arya, he tells Sansa, by the way, this kill list, it's not a joke. She's serious. Oh, yeah. And she was going to go to King's Landing to take Cersei out. And that's when Sansa realizes. So that makes him a key player. And I do love all of that. I agree with you. He has had to accept it in order to deal with it. And at this point, I don't see any better way of handling it. I guess I just wish that we had more scenes with him last season when he was so removed from the storyline to see a little bit more of that journey. Because now it's, it's all moving very quick. You don't have time to kind of jump into that. We have to say, and we'll dive deeper into this next time, that we got the Stark reunion we've been waiting for. Yeah. The nice, I missed you, it's good to <laughs> see you, Sansa and Arya reunion. Although while watching it, I <laughs> was on pins and needles. I was waiting for it to turn. Real quick. Yeah. I was like, okay, they're hugging. They're hugging. How long will this embrace last? Where is the coldness? But we saw, and we won't get too deep into this because of time. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll dive deeper later. We saw Arya actually trying. When she brings up the list the first time and Sansa laughs, Arya gives that fake smile and realizes Sansa's not ready to see the real me. Yeah. So she plays into it. What I was worried about is not having that there where Arya doesn't care what her response is going to yeah, be and just kind of just throws it at her this is me yeah and I think that we see that was important because later when Sansa sees her fighting her reaction to it is not good so that was too much too quick for her and I like that there's still enough of Arya left to sense that and to care about the relationship I mean we know their differences were always kind of petty child things the the fighting between them yeah so it does make sense now after everything they've been through, that's not going to matter anymore. But these big things will. And um, I wonder if Sansa is worried about Arya's fate in future. If she does continue single-mindedly going along with this goal, where is it going to lead her? But back to this scene in the Godswood for a minute. This is where Sansa starts telling them Littlefinger wouldn't have given Bran the dagger if there wasn't a reason. He was laying a trap for him. Now, we see that Bran doesn't keep it. He winds up giving it to Arya. But what do you think he was up to there? What was Littlefinger scheming at? I don't know. I mean, especially since we do a podcast, I, I want to have all the answers. <laughs> I can't read Littlefinger. I don't know what his plans are. And I guess that's the beauty of him. And that's what we always loved about him. While the plans were being laid out, we never know. We couldn't read through that. And that's the beauty of his character. So... <laughs> What is he trying to gain here? I have no idea. It makes sense that he wouldn't want the dagger on him, given all the controversy that surrounds it, but to then turn around and make it an issue by bringing it up again and giving it to Bran doesn't make a lot of sense. 
So I'm hoping we get more about that next time. Yeah, and him poking John about his sister. Like, he's doing little things that... Are destabilizing, but that's why I go back to is there, like, a bigger purpose yeah. to why those things are happening, which we know there is, but what is he after? And by the way, whatever the initial plans were, I think they're changing minute by minute yeah. as scenes unfold at Winterfell. The way he looked at Arya after that fight... yeah. I don't know if I'm imagining things, but I almost read into it. Maybe I've been backing the wrong horse this whole time in trying to teach Sansa how to be a player. Maybe I should have been colluding with Arya. I'm not even concerned about that. I'm more worried about how Sansa reacted to Arya kicking some ass. Yeah. Not pleased. She walked away. We saw first that... Pod was telling Brienne very touchingly that she had honored her oath to Catelyn by serving these girls. And then Brienne is training Arya at Swords, and Arya bests her. Oh my god, it's so cool. We finally get to see how badass Arya really is. She kicks some serious ass. I mean, we know Brienne is one of the best fighters in all the realm. And she tells her that. You even defeated the Hound. That means you are great at this. Well, yeah, she says it in a more maniacal way. Brienne brings up that I'll get your trainer to come, or the trainer. And that's what she says. He didn't beat the hound. You did. And yeah. I was like, man, she is so fucking badass. This is so great, seeing the juxtaposition between this now and what she went through with the no-face gods. Yeah, and then Brienne asks her, who taught you to do that? She says, no one. I love it. It's the aria we were looking for, that shining moment. And I know we're probably not going to get a lot of them in season seven, so I'm holding on to them when we do. But as you said, that ends with Sansa walking away and Littlefinger looking on very pleased. Was it because she used the dagger? Maybe his intentions the whole time was for Arya to get the dagger? Perhaps, but why? Does he want her to kill Cersei? Does he have an inkling that's what she's going to do? I mean, that would make his life easier if he really wants her off the board, have somebody else do it for him. But that's a long leap. Yeah. I don't know how many other people know about Arya's intentions. She just got here. Well, let's... Push that out to the Clatchers. What do you guys think? What is Littlefinger's plan at this point? Email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and we'll talk about it in the next episode. Before we go into Dragonstone, talking about Clatchers and their emails, we've gotten a lot of emails from our Clatchers asking us, what is this Patreon thing you guys keep bringing up? And we do talk about it so briefly because we don't want to be boring or too repetitive. Annoying. <laughs> Annoying, yeah. But let's just bring it out. Let's spell it out for everybody right now. What Patreon is, it's a subscription-based podcast. And what it means is you get extra bonus content from Christina and myself every month. And it's a tier-based subscription. So basically, we made this Patreon page to help us pay for the bandwidth costs. And the other costs associated with podcasting. Essentially, most of what we do is free. So the TV reviews are always still here on the free channel, we get into other kinds of content on the Patreon, but it's it's difficult. We both work about four regular jobs, Jason and I, and each, each <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the primary reason we do the podcast is it's a passion of ours. But unfortunately, there are still realities of what the costs are to do these things, and so Patreon really helps us to support that and keep going with the free podcasts. So basically, the Clatchers on Patreon. They're not just paying for the content, they're paying to help us out. So you can join for even a dollar. And the things you get from being a Patreon member is exclusive access to our Clatchers community chat board and polls. 
just for the Clatchers. Bonus content. It's a bonus episode. We give you outros, bloopers, secret theories, interesting stories in the news. One minute recaps of other shows and movies that we've watched and other entertainment things sometimes, such as video games. And you get background knowledge of what's going on with the cast that normal listeners don't really get. Yeah, so that's step two with the one bonus content episode each month. And then the final step is the movie review podcast. We give you an hour and a half, two hours extensive review where we give you not just a review of the movie. We give you background knowledge of the movie, of the actors, of the directors. Yeah, we do a lot of research for these episodes. We really have fun with it. And we go based on what the Clatchers want us to see. Typically, it's a movie that's hot that month out in the theaters, but sometimes we do fun throwback ones to classic movies. Movies we've done so far, Valerian, Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy, Never Ending Story, Beauty and the Beast, The Cure for Wellness, Fantastic Beasts, and so much more. You also get 10% off everything in our store. as t-shirts, posters, mugs. And as a member, you get full access to the full library. You get everything we've done in the past and access to the things we'll be doing in the future every month. So what you do is you go to coffeeclatchcrew.com and on the menu, you'll see Patreon. Just click on that and it takes you to our page. You click on become a Patreon. You choose the tier of your choice. And every month you're a member, you enjoy the new content. And try it out for a month. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. But we think after one month, you will enjoy it. It's a lot more fun. We're less serious. I get a little goofy. <laughs> we and enjoy it's very, it. it's very interactive with the members, even more so than these reviews. So there you go. We broke it down for you. Hopefully that wasn't too long. Give it a try. Help us out. And uh, we're recording our bonus episode tomorrow night. Yeah, that's the end of the long spiel for Patreon. Now let's go to Dragonstone. We're going to go through this quick, but a lot happened there. First, Masandi told Danny there was no word yet from the Unsullied. Then John came up to show Danny the cave where they're going to mine the dragonglass. He wanted her to see it before it's cut up. But while they're down there, he also took her to this back cave where there's hieroglyphs on the walls. And he tells us they were done by the children of the forest and the first men who fought together against their common enemy despite their differences. And we see the picture of the others. I was waiting for Danny, especially when he showed the walkers. You keep saying the others. That's Oh, sorry. Oh, that's a book. The White Walkers. I was waiting for her to look, turn to him and be like, did you just draw this? Like, <laughs> are you trying to convince me by this? And you like, show me before you start destroying everything? This art looks a lot better than the other artwork. It doesn't really fit in, John. But I guess it did the trick. I was a little surprised by this. He said they would have to unite as well in order to survive. And she comes back with, I agree to help fight for the North. She was being kind of sensual about it too. Or did I read that wrong? No, there was definitely a thing happening there, a very early thing. And they made sure to take notice of that because later Davos asks John, oh, you know, what do you think of Danny? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Are you shipping them? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I think what it was, though, I'm not sure if it was genuine attraction on her part or just using her wiles yeah. to try to get him on the same page because she says, I'll fight for you if you, you bend, bend the, the knee. knee. She can't get off of it. But this time, instead of a come down on a hard line, she's doing it in a soft way. Come on, John. If you back me, your people will, too. Because that's his big concern. And we got a bunch of questions about this. Why doesn't he just bend the knee in order to facilitate things? People have asked me 
I didn't think John was concerned about ruling. And now it seems like he won't budge off that point. Does he honestly want to be king in the North and is after power? And I don't no, think so. I don't no. think he's after it at all. I think this episode showed us he's worried if he does that. His men won't have faith in him anymore. They won't be able to trust. You know, we picked him as leader, and now he just goes over to this foreign woman who's not really about our cause and bends the knee. He has to be able to retain his decision-making abilities. Yeah. Everything he says at this point, everyone's like, what? And he has to argue with them. So we know he's having a hard enough time just do, making normal decisions. This one As might, king in the north. Yeah, and if he wasn't, also, does that give her the right to tell him what to do and not do with these battles when he knows that he knows better? Yeah. He has to keep that authority to make the right decisions for his people. And he tells her all of that. But I think regardless of the little games they are playing, it's another giant step forward in them coming to the same page. And we'll see that in just a minute with the next scene. Here, Tyrion and Varys arrive with the news of what happened at Casterly Rock and Highgarden. And Danny gets angry with Tyrion about his failed plans. I kind of thought that, that was going to happen. Yeah, she says she wants to take the dragons right to the Red Keep. He tries to convince her the siege is still a good idea, but she's done with clever plans. Lady Olena's last words to her are ringing true in her brain. Yeah, that's bomb number one <laughs> for Lady Olena exploding, coming true. Does that mean the other ones will? I think so. Well, Tyrion didn't even have anything clever to say back when she brought that up. I don't even think he really thought it was a good I idea anymore. He just has to advise her and thinks he should stick with that because he doesn't want to see the alternative, which is what she would have to turn into. But most importantly, she shuts him down and she turns to John for his advice. I did not see that coming. So she is warming to him already. She wants to get his opinion. We've seen her do this. She takes people in. Once they prove themselves, she starts asking them for their advice, kind of like a counsel. But it seems like she does not take that advice. Not at all. And he made kind of a compelling speech here. He said, the people who follow you know you made something impossible happen. Maybe that makes them believe you can build a world that's different from the shit one they've always known. But if you use them to melt castles and burn cities, you're not different. You're just more of the same. The thing is, that's basically the same argument Tyrion's been making to her. Right. There's nothing new in that. And I think that's all she heard. Yeah, but she didn't melt any castles or burn cities. No. Do you think when the people hear about this, they're going to see it any differently, though? The small folk? I don't know. I don't care. I mean, I guess it's obvious. I love that Danny just said, fuck this. I'm going and I'm just going to. Uh, we all do. The point is what they're trying to tell her. How does this affect the long game? Later, when you win these wars, do people still want to serve underneath you? But the point I'm coming to now is I don't think a lot of small folk in Westeros are making it out of this thing. Period. That's horrible. But I think the people who are following her now, that number is growing. They're gaining respect for her. That respect is going to spread through word of mouth. You talking about Danny? Yeah. So I think her good opinion is already being laid. And hopefully that will balance out some of the things she's had to do in order to win. I mean, the people saw what Cersei did and they were still willing to say, oh, that balances it out if we get peace now. <laughs> so come on. All right, let's go to the last scene. We saw John questioning Missandei on what kind of a ruler Danny is. We talked about that already. But as they look on from the bluff, they see the Greyjoy ship approach and Fionn come ashore. 
John and Theon have this intense stare down for a minute. I didn't even think about that. I, I was yelling at the screen going, how did I not imagine the John Theon meeting and what that would be like? That's one of the most intense that we could have left in these seasons. And John goes up and grabs him uh, by the balls. I don't want to get into the mechanics he? here. It looked like he did. He reached down and he grabbed something. I did not see that. I thought he just grabbed him by the shoulders. Oh, his hand was down there. So maybe it was his stomach. I don't think he has balls. That that was my question to yeah. you. What was he grabbing? <laughs> okay, it doesn't really matter though. He grabs him. The point is he's doing his best to restrain himself. And he says, because of what you did for Sansa, that's the only reason I'm not killing you. I love the fact that no one else moved to stop him. The Jothraki didn't move in, and I thought that was more telling than anything else. Oh, they were going to let it happen. Theon certainly couldn't hold it against Jon if he took it out on him for everything that he's done. But I like that he did have this major act of redemption in saving Sansa. He was ready to risk his life to make that happen for her. And Jon is able to see that. He appreciates it. And Theon also takes it in stride. Like, I, I know I had this coming and probably a lot worse, but he then admits he needs the queen's help to rescue Yara, who was taken by Euron. The queen is not here. Nope. And that's where we move to our last location, in the Reach, where outside of Highgarden, Jamie pays Bronn out of one of the wagons of gold they took. This is where we get the Spoils of War title. And if you notice, the wagon takes off after. I thought maybe just to get back in line, but maybe what you were saying, it went on ahead? Yeah, that's what Randall told him. I sent the gold. It's on its way to King's Landing. So it sounds like it was on another guarded train, not part of this long procession. Braun also reminded us here that the prize he was promised is not this. It brings up that question if Lannisters actually do ever pay their debts. And then Jamie tells him to accompany the Tarleys to get grain from the farms in the Reach for their winter food stores. That's when they do a bit of a scene cut. So I don't know if during this time... They did go get some of that food because now yep. Braun and Randall are back. They have more wagons. They're riding together when they hear this thunderous approach oh, coming. Oh, my heart started beating so fast. And it is a shit ton of Dothraki. The Dothrakis are coming. Now, how did they know exactly where they were? And how'd they get there so fast? Oh, I don't want to bring that up again. Well, because <laughs> Danny found out what happened, she knew that they had taken Highgarden. So they right. probably just rode to Highgarden and then started taking the, the King's Road or whatever it was till they found them. But they look fierce. Fierce. They are badass warriors. So many of them coming at you. The floor is rumbling from how much. They're standing up on their horses so they can shoot their Oh, I arrows. love that. Kind of reminded me of our movie review. Wonder Woman? Yeah. Yes, me too. That was amazing. And you have Danny flying on Drogon overhead. As you said, she's yelling Dracarys left and right, burning the soldiers, burning the carriages. So cool. The archers are trying unsuccessfully to shoot at him. It's not doing anything. So Jamie tells Bronn to go get Kyburn's scorpion ballista. My heart stopped. As Bronn tries, he goes through all these difficulties. His horse is cut down. That was brutal. He watches as people are burning. It seems like a one-sided fight, but against all odds, he makes it to the ballista. Bronn is the man. I loved it when he was a good guy, or at least a good guy with quotes. <laughs> but I was so torn because I didn't want any, I didn't care about anybody else dying, but I didn't want Bronn to die. 
But then Jamie and Braun. But then I knew what I really wanted once he was going to hurt the dragon. I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking Tyrion was going to get in the fray here because Braun's first loyalty was to Tyrion. I know it was supposedly only because Tyrion was paying him, so he shifted very easily to Jamie. But would there have been a little hesitation if there's two of the people you serve standing together? Like, who does he side with now? Yeah. You know, that's going to be, that moment is going to happen for Ron eventually. But he's still for Jamie here. And this is when we actually see that Tyrion came. We didn't know up until this point. You see him standing up on the hilltop. That's right. Watching out over the whole fight. And uh, he's, you could see something breaking inside of him. Yeah, he's seeing his people die. The Dothraki so glibly are like, Tyrion, man, your, your people can't fight. <laughs> oh, that was, that was kind of funny. Yeah. And he realizes because he's seeing it all that they're going to attack Drogon. He's watching Braun load up the seeing ballista. It all happen. There's nothing he can do. And Braun amazingly lands a shot and hits Drogon in the shoulder. I kept yelling, get out, get out, get out. We were saying, she's done enough. At this point, let the Dothraki do the rest. Dothra- you have them. And, and just leave. Just get out. But this is, You said it. This is her pride kicking in again. The yeah. battle was won there. And this is their most important weapon, two of them, Danny and her dragons. A smart leader would have left at this point and let yeah. her army finish up the job. And this is why I say they needed just a little more strategizing. Five more minutes before they left to say, let's bring the other two dragons in case we need backup. Or what are we going to do if somebody starts shooting at you? Now, we had hypothesized last episode that we didn't think this bolt would be able to go through Drogon because he's more of an adult now. And we've heard through the history that their hides couldn't be pierced. Either he's not truly a full-grown adult yet, so something like the ballista does work, or Kyburn has developed an even stronger ballista. How did he hit him? It was so far away. And it, it really, it looked for a minute as though it was truly going to bring him down. I mean, Drogon just starts spiraling. And he's screaming. I felt so bad. I was like, damn it, even when we win, Game of Thrones makes us lose. And yet again, that's all it would take for Danny to go down. If he crashes like that. Oh, yeah. Or if she takes the narrow, so dangerous for her to not have backup. But, you know, he retreats to the ground, but he lands. And we see it hurt him, but he's okay. That's also because it wasn't anywhere vital, though. It was in his shoulder. What if it would have been his in face. his heart, in his face? Yeah, his eye. And what is she doing here? I was screaming at the screen. When she thinks now is a good time in the middle of this army to turn her back to everyone to try to get the bolt out. Yeah. I think he's going to be okay for a minute. It's more important to make sure that everything's copacetic. Yeah, just get out. I don't know if he could fly anymore, though. Maybe it was affecting that, and that's what she was trying to do. But here's the thing. When we see her pulling it out, it looks so much smaller compared to the dragon. Yeah. So I feel like... He could take a couple of those. Yeah. And live. Hopefully. But he's also the biggest and the strongest. I mean, what might have that done to the other two dragons? There's a lot of questions this brings up. But you kept saying, and I don't want to forget this, if there was more than one dragon there, Bronn wouldn't have known who to shoot at. They could have angled, came at him in angles, like raptors, velociraptors, and taken care of it so much easier. Why does she only use one dragon? This is why they always fought with more than one historically, that they can back you up. Even if Drogon's the main force, while you're trying to get the bolt out, now somebody else can come in and, and nobody would have survived that battle. Now, 
I don't think they need riders in order to fight because we saw them fight in the battle at Marine when they went and torched the Navy, and she was the only one riding Drogon at that point. So she could have had the other two without riders come in with her. Um, I don't know what the point of, of leaving them back was. But we see here it is when she has her back turned for just a minute that Jamie recognizes the opening. <sighs> and he I'm, rides I'm at her. Feeling tense again. I was freaking out, man. Uh, that, you know, everyone, including Tyrion from the hilltop, is yelling at him. My toes are curled. So we see Jamie on the horse. He's coming after her. And a beautiful shot of her freaking out or turning around and, go, and freaking out. And then the dragon's face comes around. Well, she turned around, but she didn't freak out. She kind of froze. She real calmly stepped to the side and, like, looked at Drogon. Maybe it was just me freaking out. Like, yeah, like, (laughs) do your thing. I think she was still totally confident. In fact, that's what I'm worried about. And he curled his head around. What an amazing shot. They do not mess around when they have the dragon on screen because I know it costs money every second. So every second counts when that dragon is on. He looks beautiful, and he had still... My fear was as they get bigger and more scary looking, are we going to lose that bond that she had with him early on where we kept saying it's like Achilles? As fierce as it is, you can see that connection. It's still her. Yeah. Her. Achilles is our parrot, by the way. Yes, our pet bird. But she has that connection to him much like the Starks did to the direwolves. They're they're still very dangerous animals, but this is their human. Yeah. I think the bond is stronger now, it feels like. So they managed to keep some of that anthropomorphism if you want to call it they're giving him these more human qualities and emotions he knows she's in trouble he turns around i got you ma (laughs) it's good except for he misses like what the frig dude well he would have had him no problem if braun didn't come in right at the last minute i know but if you're a dragon you just move your head i think he did but the thing is he knocked him right into the water okay and so i guess you're fine now and this is the end of the scene, as we said, where we're watching him just kind of sink down into the water. Once again, Bronn is the man. Danny's counsel keeps saying, there's no need to put you in danger. And I agree, but I think there's a middle ground. And she's not reaching that, and they aren't reaching that. You can be there and kick some ass, but don't do the dangerous things. Don't go so low where you can get hit. Stay up top, be faster about it, be swift. Maybe stay on the outside edges. Like, don't go right in the middle where you can be bombarded with weapons. And when it's, om- it's, when it's pretty much one, back off and watch it ha- the rest of it happen. She has these moments. I think she holds herself back for so long, listens to counsel, maybe even a little too much at times. And then she's like a kid rebelling. You know, yeah. her dragon comes out and she gets hot-headed and doesn't think things all the way through. Now, maybe that's what it takes to win. Yeah. Maybe she needs that. We're just going to do it. Uh, but I worry for what that means for her in the future. Well, that wraps up the overview. We went really long. We did. For and we instant. still have so much to talk about. We're not good at these instant coffees. We just want to divulge everything, but you it's get, getting super late. You get so into it. I think this late in the seasons, it's hard to keep constrained. We did still bring up a lot of questions that we have for next episode. If you have any thoughts, write in. We will discuss them there. We will give you some more of that book background to expand what we saw here. And as usual, we are going to do our MVB, our most valuable bannerman for this episode. Jason's going to put the poll out on Twitter again, so you guys can vote there, and we will read the results on the next episode. It was a great success last week. We're really excited to see what you weigh in on this week. Your choices are going to be Danny, 
Jamie, Braun, or Aria. Just go to at CKC Podcast on Twitter. Give us a follow there and give us your votes. Thank you so much for joining us in our instant coffee episode. We're not going to be able to do this every week. We're going to try our best. Thank you so much for everyone who's giving our channel such great reviews. Keep those coming. Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.